Welcome to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Thank you so much for joining us this weekend. I'm Jason Kong here with the man himself, Bill Alexander. Bill, how are you doing today? Good morning, uh, Jason. I'm doing fine, uh, and I hope you are. I'm doing great, Bill. You know, we just got through a primary election this week, and you know, summer's here. Oh, it's, don't it's talk wonderful. to me about politics. I, you know, it's kind of thing. Uh, it's best to stay away from politics and religion. You know, we'll... <laughs> I, I don't want to get you fired up this uh, this early in the morning. No, the I weekend. just, uh, I do hope that everyone voted. That's, that's the way our country is supposed to work. Uh, who You know, the folks who win the elections represent us. And, uh, of course, this, uh, for the most part, there, I mean, there were some, I believe, some municipal or school board elections that were finalized, but at the same time, uh, most of the election, particularly in this area, was about, um, you know, primaries, who, who will actually be running against each other in November. So, but again, you know, it's uh, we live in a representative democracy, and it's all about uh, uh, voting. You know, there are uh, lots of folks who out there who might think, well, my vote is just one little vote out of lots, and it's not going to make a difference. And the fact is, it does make a difference. You know, that's the only way that uh, truthfully that the uh, that we really have a voice in uh, what occurs. You know, what's so frustrating now about politics is that it's virtually impossible for a normal person (laughs) to run for office. And what I mean by that is that uh, politics takes a lot of money. And it's sad because it's no longer, doesn't seem to be longer, any longer, about one's reputation, about how one has lived your life. Uh, You know, character doesn't seem to be meaningful anymore. Uh, At least that certainly uh, uh, doesn't seem to be the key ingredient as to whether people will vote for a person or not. And I think that's really sad. I mean, character and the way people should live and do live and uh, or intend to live at least uh, should make a difference and it doesn't seem to. And then of course, uh, there's another thing that's frustrating is there's there seems to be so much one-issue politics. In other words, if you don't agree with me on this one issue, even though you agree with me for everything else, uh, I'm going to vote against you. Uh, And just think how that would work out in a marriage. (laughs) You know, the fact is, is that uh, we would all be divorced if, uh, if we took that one issue to uh, a concept uh, to things that really matter, like our marriage, you know. Uh, I mean, the fact is, is that uh, uh, it's, I guess it's, if you get right down to it, marriage is about compromise uh, and being able to deal with things uh, over time. Forgiveness is a big 
part of it. You know, there's there's a lot of things that go in to uh, a marriage uh, that makes it last for a long time. There is, and there is no such thing as a perfect marriage. Uh, you know, would you agree with that? One hundred percent. Yeah, Speaking I think everybody experience. out there would. You know, so the fact is, is that uh, uh, we, you know, if you're married, you have to put up with a whole lot. And that's just, that's even if you don't have children. If you have children, you have to put up with even more. <laughs> so, you know, uh, but, you know, the fact is, is why don't we treat politics the same way? Uh, you know, it's the kind of thing where if if someone agrees, I mean, I mean, no one out there who who will represent us is going to agree with you or me on everything. That's just not going to happen. But if somehow the folks who mostly agree with us, if we could vote for those folks, we would have a whole lot of different folks in Congress and in our state legislature than the ones we have. I mean, the fact is we have to put up with them, don't we? Because none of them seem to represent us in the way we would like it. <laughs> you, know, so, you know, don't get me started on that. You know, I believe in this country. I believe in in our representative form of government. I believe in elections. I, I know that our elections are fair and properly done. And, and it doesn't matter to me whether a Republican or a Democrat is in charge of it because there's so many checks and balances to make sure that it's done right. You know, anybody who knows how elections are really conducted in, in North Carolina and across the country uh, knows that our elections are fair. Uh, uh, and I'm, you know, it's the kind of thing where you, you can't just dig a hole and stick your head in it. You got to realize what's going on in this country and, and get involved, you know. And like I said, the thing that's so frustrating is that money talks. I mean, we realize that our vote is one thing, but those folks who give thousands of dollars to campaigns and, you know, spend $100,000 to go to some chicken dinner, uh, yeah, you know, those, those folks have a little more influence with, than uh, we might as voters. Uh, and that's frustrating, too. Why can't we get back to, to f- folks of character where money doesn't play any significant? I mean, it's always going to have a role, but does it have to play such a significant role? I mean, what you end up with are a bunch of people who are extraordinarily rich uh, or they're retired and don't need money, and they have political backers and those kinds of things. But people who work for a living, you know, how many folks like that can actually run for office? None. <laughs> and, and those are the folks that we really need uh, to, to be in our election. You know, I've been ranting about this, and I apologize. I shouldn't be doing that. So, uh, but, 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 okay, let's talk about something that, that has to do, uh, that's imp- that is important to a lot of families. And one is, uh, that's so important. I, and I, I uh, talked about it a little bit next week, but it's such, last week, but it's such a big topic. 
Uh, and that has to do with dementia. And, you know, the fact is we're all a little demented. I mean, Jason, you're demented, I'm demented. I mean, just listen to my wife. She says, I only remember what I want to remember. (laughs) So (laughs) I only hear what I want to hear, you know, those kinds of things. But the fact is all of us are forgetful. It's just that uh, there comes a time when we when we are more forgetful and and it is actually related to a disease as opposed to just getting older and it's really unfortunate when it occurs at a younger age uh well truthfully it's unfortunate when it occurs at any age um, because it's scary uh, it's difficult to deal with uh and the early stages not so much uh, and, of course, there are lots of different kinds of dementias. Uh, the scariest kind is Alzheimer's because it rapidly progresses, uh, unfortunately. Um, and, and my brother, Steve, he suffered from what's called traumatic brain injury dementia, which uh, occurred because, of you know, when he was younger, he was run over uh, and was unconscious for almost seven weeks, but woke up miraculously and after a lot of rehab got better. But the bottom line is his dementia, he had terrible short-term memory, which was uh, difficult uh, for everyone, but and, and but it never really progressed. Um, and and so he his long-term memory was always good. His medium-term memory, not bad at all. It's only his short-term memory, <laughs> and of course that was pretty difficult for him. But the fact is, is that uh, there was never a situation where he lost knowing who he was or who we were, and and that was r- really nice. But the the fact is, there's a lot of folks who have to deal with dementia, and of course. For those folks who are late 70s, early 80s, and they think they're becoming uh, more forgetful, fact is, may not have anything to do with dementia. You know, the the truth is, old age. Uh, here, here, I, I should never talk about a 70 year old uh, as old, but the fact is, is that as we age, we lose brain cells. That's a natural occurrence, and as we lose brain cells. Some of us lose more than others, <laughs> but the fact is, as we lose brain cells, we do, in fact, naturally become more forgetful. And then, of course, there are a lot of other things that can cause us to be forgetful that are not related to uh, dementias, those diseases. Um, you know, it can be medications that we're on. It can be that, you know, uh, um, some sickness that we're dealing with. Uh, it can, you know, there are lots of other reasons. Uh, urinary tract infections is another one that can be pretty funny at times if you have the right attitude. Uh, <laughs> but the, the uh, um, I always knew when my mother had a urinary tract infection because she was just talking way out of her mind. And when she didn't have a urinary tract infection, she was as lucid as, as, as a 20-year-old. Well, maybe that's not a good analogy, I guess. But, uh, but the fact is, is that she was always lucid uh, 
except for those those times where she had a, a urinary tract infection, and and she was way out there in La La Land uh, when she suffered those. So that, and of course, there's a remedy for that. Uh, which is really nice. Now, I've gone on at ranting too much about stuff, and I know, know I have to take a break, but I want to really talk about some of the dynamics that families need to think about, uh, some of their options that are legitimate options for a lot of folks. And, of course, it's not for everybody, but I do think that uh, discussing some of those things will be helpful because the fact is all of us, uh, see dementia. We may see it in ourselves when you say it in a loved one, our family, or a friend or a neighbor. But the fact is, the more we know about it, the better. It's a scary proposition, but there are ways that we can get ahead of it, do some planning, and make sure that uh, we're putting ourselves and our families in the best position if something like that does occur. We, as we discussed last week, and you know, if you want to learn more about being prepared and making sure that you have the most options available to you, there's a lot of ways that you can go about it. If you'd like to schedule an appointment to speak with Bill, you can go to WGALaw.com. That's Bill's website, WGALaw.com. From there, you can schedule an appointment to speak with Bill. Maybe you want to get some plans in order or have some past documents that you've had done in the past reviewed. Or if you'd like to learn more about long-term care assistance that may be available to you, whether it's through Medicaid or VA benefits, there's a lot that you can learn there from Bill. At his free webinars, the next set are happening on Wednesday, June 8th. Bill does this the second Wednesday of every month. It's a wonderful free uh, educational opportunity for you. Just go to WGALaw.com, click on the Seminars button at the top of the page. Again, it's free to register, free to attend. The morning session deals with long-term care assistance. And if you're also interested in learning about asset protection and trust planning, Bill has an afternoon webinar dedicated those subjects again they're also free to attend go to wgalaw.com to learn more click on that seminars button at the top of the page we're taking a quick break but we'll be right back don't go anywhere you're listening to asset protection today with attorney bill alexander and we'll be right back Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. You can learn more about Bill by going to WGALaw.com. WGALaw.com is Bill's website. If you want to learn more about Bill's free webinars happening on Wednesday, June 8th, if you'd like to learn more about the subjects of long-term care assistance, Medicaid, as well as asset protection and trust planning, you need to register first at WGALaw.com. These are free educational opportunities for you. Learn more at WGALaw.com. I'm Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. And Bill, we're talking about the prospect of uh, dementia, early dementia, and Alzheimer's, some some scary subjects for a lot of people. Uh, No question about it. Well, here's the first thing. Um, If you suspect that a loved one uh, may uh, suffer from dementia, and that basically means they're becoming far more forgetful. 
uh, and you recognize. In other words, it's recognizable. Um, it's not just a matter of missing a word or two, but it's recognizable that, you know, something's not right. Well, even more important than uh, having the condition diagnosed, going to the doctor, having a diagnosis, getting medication, well, and that's important. But the fact is, is what so many people fail to do is to see an elder law attorney. And what I'm getting at is that uh, getting the right documents legal documents in place, and the most important one being the advanced general durable power of attorney, because the fact is that normal practitioners, normal lawyers, what you pull out of a book or uh, online, is not going to give you the kind of authority that you need to take care of a loved one with dementia and to protect your property. I mean, I talk about asset protection all the time. And when you have a loved one going down that dementia a pathway, having a, an aggressive general durable power of attorney is critical to your ability to protect yourself, your spouse, your children, and, and your property uh, as it progresses. And the good news about early dementia is that your loved one is still competent and lucid, sufficiently lucid to sign documents. The folks who delay oftentimes get to a point where it's like they think that they a lawyer can, can um, magically wave a wand and protect their property when they've never seen a lawyer or haven't seen one in 20 years about having the right kind of documents. And my warning is not to go to your uh, local estate planning uh, or just general practicing attorney unless they are an elder law attorney and know what kind of uh, power of attorney is needed for asset protection in the future. I mean, the f fact is, is that, you know, 98% of the general durable powers of attorney that I review that are even done by attorneys are not adequate because what a lot of folks don't realize, even though it's a general power and one that's that you think is supposed to allow you to do anything, it's extremely limited and what you can and cannot do. And whereas one that's prepared by an elder law attorney is broader, there are very few limitations in it, which gives you a lot of flexibility in terms of being able to protect property. And don't, uh, it, it's not all about creating irrevocable trust. In fact, that's one of the last things that we might do uh, one of the most important things that you must be able to do that most powers of attorney don't even allow you to do is to be able to transfer everything from one spouse to the other. And when I say everything, I'm talking about your real estate and your money and your investments and to change beneficiary designations, uh, to create trust or amend trust that you might have, um, to even create an irrevocable trust on behalf of a loved one, you know, those kinds of things. Um, 
But the fact is, is that most powers of attorney don't give you those kinds of authorities. So the first thing to do is to see somebody who understands the kind of power of attorney that you would need to protect your assets in the future. That's the thing about a power of attorney. It's not because you need to do it right now. You might not ever need to do it. But that having the right power of attorney is is like the most important insurance policy you'll ever buy. <laughs> so it's really, really important. And, you know, now, if you've gone to the doctor and you've you've gotten the diagnosis, but it's still early dementia, and you're taking some medication, hopefully to slow that progression down, and that's the reason that you need the diagnosis is so you can get some medication Unfortunately, the medication works about half the time, and that means half the time it doesn't work very well. But it's better to have it than not, I think. Uh, so, But that's the reason for going to the doctor, so is that you confirm your suspicions and you can get some medication that might temper the issues that you'll have to deal with. Uh, but they're both important, and having the right documents for the future uh, that you know is going to be there for you uh, because that's the thing about dementia. It gets worse. And as it gets worse, it's you have to have, be prepared for it. You can't just ignore it and hope it goes away because that's not going to happen. And then, of course, as I mentioned last week, f uh, folks need to seek counsel, not just from an elder law attorney, but uh, there's uh, we have a great Alzheimer's Association uh, uh, in this area, which basically brings people together who uh, collectively have to have had to deal with these issues. And so that way you can learn about the resources that are available in the community, what not to do, the things that you, your options, things that can do. And of course, a good elder law attorney can help in those matters, too. Um, but the fact is there are a lot of resources, and I, I deal with folks all the time who, who, where a loved one has, is in the stages of Alzheimer's, and it's like, well, have you been to the Alzheimer's Association? No, I haven't. I, I, I've thought about it, but I don't have time. I'm doing this and that. The fact is that's, that's an essential ingredient in getting the counsel uh, that you need. And, and so now, I realize there's so much to talk about here. So I know I need to take a break, and I will, but um, I want to come back and talk about some of the options that might be available to you because so many people are ingrained one way, and they need to think about ways that they can help themselves um, that may be a non-traditional way, but could make a huge difference in your ability to get through taking care of a loved one with dementia. Anyone in that position needs all the help and resources that they can get access to. So we will go over that in just a bit. Um, you know, don't fall into this trap of uh, not having the right documents prepared for yourself and for your family. As Bill mentioned, you could have done your planning uh, much earlier in life and have felt like you were in a good spot and you know had the confidence that everything was right but if you haven't seen an elder law attorney uh, as bill's outlined you're not going to have the flexibility and be able to achieve a lot of the uh, financial goals and uh, 
transactions that you may need to make in this situation. So if you haven't seen an elder law attorney, you can go to WGALaw.com. That's the best place to go if you want to schedule an appointment to speak with Bill. WGALaw.com. Or if you want to learn more at Bill's webinars, you can do that by going to WGALaw.com and clicking on the seminars button at the top of the page. The next set of webinars is happening on Wednesday, June 8th. If you want to learn more about long-term care, financial assistance that might be available to you through Medicaid or through VA benefits. This is a wonderful free opportunity for you to do it. These are some highly complicated subjects and Bill has a way of making it very understandable and uh, it's fun too. I think he's Bill said that uh, no one's ever regretted attending one of his webinars. So uh, put that to the test. Go to WGALaw.com and click on the seminars button at the top of the page. Also, if you want to learn more about asset protection and trust planning, Bill's got an afternoon webinar dedicated to that as well. WGALaw.com. Click on the seminars button at the top of the page. We're taking a quick break, but we'll be right back. This is Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander, and we'll be back after this. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. You can learn more about Bill by going to WGALaw.com, WGALaw.com. I'm Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. We're talking about early dementia and Alzheimer's and what we can do to get ahead of it and also resources and options that are available to us. No question. Well, one of the things and one of the most important things and one of the most difficult things is that for the majority of people, there's no financial assistance available to help you with the costs involved in taking care of a loved one with dementia. That's one of the saddest things. You know, people come to an elder law attorney uh, they want to have the right documents. That's important no matter what the other circumstances are. Uh, but then the question becomes, okay, can I get some financial help? And it's not a matter of getting financial help at home or in assisted living or memory care. The fact is is that for most folks, there's at that level of care, there are only two programs that make a difference. One is um, veterans benefits. There's a, what's called pension with aid and attendance. It's a long-term care reimbursement program that the VA has for war period veterans. Uh, it also includes, while they don't say it, uh, it, it can benefit a veteran with a spouse with dementia. Uh, it can also, uh, there's support from the VA through this program for uh, the widow or widower of a war period veteran. So that is a very important program that can at least uh, take some of the bite out of the, the financial uh, burden that occurs with folks uh, that are suffering dementia. 
but it doesn't include all veterans. It's only war period veterans and their families. So that's a limited number of veterans who might be able to qualify for that program. Now, there's also another group of veterans that could get a little extra help if they knew about it. And it's one of those areas uh, in the VA that so many folks don't know about. And that's um, where a veteran was disabled, 100% disabled, and died. And then the spouse of that disabled veteran can get uh, what's what's called uh, DIC, and that's Dependency Indemnity Compensation. Boy, that's a mouthful. But the bottom line is it's a payment from the VA for uh, the, the um, and it's, it's not a means-tested program, which is really helpful. It's based upon the fact that a spouse lived with a disabled veteran uh, who died. In fact, I had one this week where uh, the spouse died 10 years ago uh, of lung cancer. And he was an Air Force retiree, uh, and he retired right after the Vietnam War. And he had been in Vietnam, subject to Agent Orange, but never applied for um, disability. Well, the fact is, is that is an, uh, uh, one of those exceptions where he, he was disabled for many years and finally died of lung cancer. One of the, that's one of the presumed maladies for Agent Orange. So now his widow, 10 years later, can apply under the Agent Orange for DIC, Dependency Indemnity Compensation. And while that's not everything, it's, uh, it's actually starts at about $1,500 a month uh, minimum. It can go up depending on rank and years of service and things like this. Uh, but this fellow was a retired master sergeant, so he was up there in the enlisted ranks. Uh, and uh, what the, the and so this is the Agent Orange settlement gives the widows of folks where the death certificate shows that they died of a presumed malady from Agent Orange, the ability to apply for uh, this compensation, tax-free compensation. And then the unknown piece, even among those who don't know about this benefit program, is this uh, DIC is paid to a healthy spouse. But what if that spouse is older and needs some assistance? Well, my, the client that came in was 91 years old, and she was had 24-7 care. Well, and she didn't know that she could apply for DIC. And then I said to her, not only can you apply for DIC, but you can apply for aid and attendance on top of the DIC. And there are a lot of uh, widows out there uh, who are receiving DIC, but they need assistance and they don't know, because the VA doesn't tell you, uh, that they can actually apply for a little more money by applying for aid and attendance on top of their DIC. And that's probably the least known benefit program out there for an awful lot of widows and widowers uh, who um, are eligible for that program. Now, the 
other program that has nothing to do with military service is called special assistance or special assistance Medicaid. I don't like to put Medicaid with it because so many people call this program Medicaid, and it's not. It's a state and local program, but Medicaid doesn't pay for assisted living, and it certainly doesn't pay for memory care. It only pays for nursing facility care, and then it has a couple other programs that we talk about, but it's not doesn't pay for assisted living, whether it's memory care or regular assisted living. It has a very low income cap, and the and it so it doesn't matter if you have no assets, you've never given a penny away to anybody, but your income from Social Security is over that cap. And the fact is more people are over the cap than under the cap. So it doesn't matter if you're destitute. If you're over the cap, you cannot get financial assistance. And the, and the sad part is that the income cap is so low, it throws you into a big gaping hole in the safety net. In other words, you can't get financial assistance, but you don't have enough money to pay anybody for any care at all. And that's the real sad truth of the matter. So what I'm getting at is, for a lot of folks with dementia, there is no financial assistance available. So that's one thing about our webinar. You can learn when you're, you, when you know that it's not going to be available to you unless or until you need nursing facility care. And there are a lot of folks with dementia that never need nursing care. So, you know, that's, you know, now sometimes final stages of Alzheimer's and dementia does put you in nursing care and Medicaid would be available there. But the long game, you know, the years where you're suffering before that time, there's no financial assistance more often than not. Learning this is, uh, it's challenging, as Bill said, you know, through the, the veterans benefits that that information often isn't shared to you by the VA. That's why Bill's free webinars are such a valuable resource for those who are looking for educational opportunities to learn more about assistance that could be available to them. You can register by going to wgalaw.com and clicking on the seminars button at the top of the page. It's free to register, free to attend. This is just a wonderful way for you to have an edu educational opportunity provided by Bill. He does this the second Wednesday of every month. The next set of webinars is happening on Wednesday, June 8th. Register online at wgalaw.com if you would like to attend or if you want to call the office. The phone number is 919-256-7000. 919-256-7000. A quick break and back with more. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander and we'll be right back. This is Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. You can learn more about Bill by going to WGALaw.com, WGALaw.com. I'm Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander, and Bill, we're talking about dementia and Alzheimer's and the difficulty that this presents to us, and, you know, we were just wrapping up a conversation in regards to uh, the, the levels of care and what is financial assistance that may be available to us and most likely what is not. And 
those are hard waters to navigate because, you know, you mentioned the difference between nursing care and memory care. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, these are really expensive propositions. No question. And I was talking about the special assistance program and why most people are not eligible for it. Well, there are two income caps, one for regular assisted living and one that's a little higher for um, uh, memory care, which is about 95% in assisted living units. See, so many folks confuse. They think memory care is nursing care. Not true. It is a higher level of assisted living, but it's not nursing care, so Medicaid is not available. Special assistance is the program that might be available, but most people have more income and hence are not eligible. So now it only involves the income of the patient. The spouse's income is not looked at at all when it comes to special assistance. So the, the, income, the first income cap for regular assisted living is $1,248 of gross income. Now, you have to understand, normal folks have $170.10 taken out of their Social Security check that pays for Medicare Part B. So what I'm saying is when you look at your Social Security check, you have to add that $170.10 into it, and that's assuming you have no other income. You have no pension income. Now, not worried about interest and rents and things like that, but the income that you can't change which would be Social Security and pension. If you're over the income cap, it doesn't matter if you have no assets, you don't qualify. Now, the memory care unit cap is a little higher. It's $1,581 of gross income. Again, you have to subtract or add $170.10 if that's what is taken out of your um, uh, Social Security check to pay for Medicare. Uh, then there you go. So the fact is, is that most of us have Social Security by itself that's over those caps. So that that's where the myth comes in is that, oh, if you give everything away, the government will take care of you. Just go ahead and give it to your kids now. Horrible advice. <laughs> okay. Don't do that. The, but the fact is that the, uh, the, uh, there are an awful lot of folks that are not going to get assistance. So what does that mean? That means you got to deal with it. you got to pay for whatever care out of your own pocket. Nobody's going to help you unless your children are there helping you a little bit. But the fact is, is that you've got to find options. So the fact is most people who are married are going to keep their loved one at home and do their best to care for them. Now, in the early stages, it's really not that big a deal it you know it can get annoying but generally your spouse can even still drive on a limited basis and can dress themselves and and function to where yeah you have to look out after them a little bit but it's not a full-time uh job in term but the fact is is that you know you don't know how quickly it will progress you do know it will progress and get worse and so uh, again that's th those are the times where you need to seek advice you still have time to seek it you need to start talking to the alzheimer's association see your elder law attorney make sure you have the things in place where you can turn on a dime if if you need to um 
And so uh, this is also the time where you you, uh, can think about adult daycare. Now, oftentimes people say, I don't want to go there, blah, blah, blah. But the fact is, is that you as the caregiver, you need that time. And, And if you can acclimate your loved one to going to adult care early, it's not, it's really more about how can you take care of them longer and stay at home at a lower cost. And adult daycare is very inexpensive compared to going to an assisted living community. Uh, Then, as your loved one gets worse, if your health is good and and you're uh, standing by your loved one and you want to make sure they're taken care of, you're not going to place them in a facility, but it's time-consuming. You're wearing out. It's difficult. You're not sure that you um, can take it much more, you know, those kinds of things. You need more assistance than your children are giving you. Um, Well, number one, uh, you need to be taking respite, and that even if you have to pay a facility to take your loved one in for a couple weeks so that you can go to the beach and just clear your mind and relax, uh, respite is really important for your long-term survival, if you will, as a caregiver. And then, with that said, uh, what some people do, if you have sufficient income or resources that are backing you up, it's a whole lot easier to move together to an independent living community. A lot of folks don't realize that the support services at an independent living community gives you most of the things that assisted living uh, gives you. And if you're there to be with your loved one, one of the nice things about uh, independent living is it puts you on a schedule. Your meals are at a, uh, at a time. That's really good for people with memory issues is that they're on a, a, the same schedule every day. And guess what? You don't have to prepare those meals, and you don't have to clean up and change the bed and and all of those things that independent living actually gives you. And what a lot of folks don't realize is there are a lot of independent living communities in this area where you do not have to pay anything to get in other than a very, very small administrative charge. And if you don't like it, you can leave after 30 days. You're not obligated. And if you haven't paid $150,000 to walk in the door, then you don't feel obligated to stay if you don't like it for one reason or another. But most people who actually utilize it love it. because. But the point is, is that if you can afford it, and, you know, I would say check into a number of different places. It's sort of like finding a church. You go to one one Sunday and you're going, ooh, these people aren't nice, don't like this place, I feel cold. That's not your church. You go to another one and it's like, oh, you're home. People are wonderful. You feel, you know, you feel comfortable there. Well, it's the same thing with an, uh, with an independent living community. You might go to one and you, you feel awkward. You don't feel like you're home. You go to another one and you're, and you're home. So it's a matter of going to different places, checking it out, having a meal, and uh, deciding if that might be a place that works for you. Now, it, that's for married. If you're single and you're going down and your children are helping you out a little bit, the fact is, is that I love independent living. My brother had, had dementia, and he thrived in an independent living community, loved it, and it was perfect because he felt home. 
And the, the, the thing about it is, for those who are single, independent living gives you the ability to stay there and not have to go to assisted living, which I would tell you is horrible, uh, or nursing care, which is doubly horrible. Nobody wants to go to, to either of those places if they can avoid it. And independent living is a way to avoid it. If you're just going to try to stay at home, then the next place you're going to go is assisted living. And you have a choice. Independent living is a far better option for so many people. Understanding the levels of care and what may be available to you in terms of assistance or what the costs may be, uh, you know, this is a wonderful reason why you should attend one of Bill's free webinars. Go to WGALaw.com and click on the seminars button at the top of the page. It's free to register, free to attend. Learn more at WGALaw.com. Just click on the seminars button at the top of the page. We're taking a quick break, but we'll be right back. This is Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander, and we'll be back after this. listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Don't forget, you can go to WGALaw.com if you want to register and attend for free one of Bill's webinars. Just click on the seminars button at the top of the page at WGALaw.com. WGALaw.com is also where you can go if you want to schedule an appointment to speak with Bill. If you are in need of having your documents either set up or reviewed by an elder law attorney, go to WGALaw.com and schedule your appointment to speak with Bill. Don't forget, you can also call the office 919-256-7000, 919-256-7000. We're out of time for today, but we hope you will join us again next weekend. This has been Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Have a wonderful weekend.